Now we're going to have our gospel reading for this morning. It comes from Luke chapter 21. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. Now on that same day when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, the two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, Why are you what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and worship before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is, now, is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So for our uh, message time now, going forward with uh, Pastor G on board with us, um, praise be to God, um, we are going to follow a model uh, for our message where one of us is going to share the message uh, for the day and then invite the other two, um, since we're sort of sharing this digital pulpit together, to respond and reflect. So we're going to have a little bit more of a message, um, but we're still going to have some reflection time as well. Um, so... Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So in our gospel reading for this morning, we find some of the disciples uh, along the road to Emmaus on Easter afternoon, and they are disappointed and they are dejected. Earlier that morning, Easter morning, Mary Magdalene had told the disciples that when she and the women went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' dead body that morning, 
two disciples or two angels had appeared to them and told them that Jesus was risen from the dead. But when the women went back to tell the disciples, they did not believe her. They said, these words seem like an idle tale, and they did not believe. And when they themselves went to look at the tomb, all they found was an empty tomb. And so later that day, some of the disciples are walking on the road, and they're joined by a stranger. And they tell the stranger of their disappointment. They say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. But we had hoped. We had hoped. These are words of profound disappointment. And I think of the disappointment that so many people are experiencing now, along with suffering and grief. The disappointment of students in their senior years who are unable to fully celebrate their accomplishments, the disappointed couples that have to reschedule their weddings, the disappointment of job loss, disappointment in our leaders, disappointment that we were not more ready for this time or more resilient. You know, most of the time we think about Easter Sunday as joy and sunshine and lilies and brass and family dinners and Easter egg hunts. Um, but we were not able to experience those things this year, or at least in the same way. And I actually think that this experience of Easter this year has brought us much closer to the disciples' own experience of that first Easter. For it had seemed to them, to these disciples on the road, that death had won, that their three years with Jesus had been for naught that Jesus was not who they or he thought he was. The very first Easter day was a moment of crisis. We've heard in the last few weeks about how the women at the tomb were perplexed, terrified, and amazed, and that the disciples had locked themselves behind closed doors out of fear for all the forces of suffering and death in the world. And now here on the road to Emmaus, the disciples are full of bitter disappointment. They cannot believe Mary Magdalene's report of the resurrection. It's three days after Jesus died and they have lost hope. And we can taste that same kind of bitter disappointment in these days. Right now, it feels like we are all on the road to Emmaus together. And because of our circumstances, it can be hard to see where and how God is at work. It can be hard to trust in the resurrection. Maybe like the disciples, our disappointment and grief blinds us to God's presence. But this story reminds us that just because we may not be able to see him at this moment, it doesn't mean that Jesus is not there. It reminds us that Jesus is here with us even when we can't see it or feel it. Jesus in this story walks with them and he un folds the scriptures, and they still don't recognize him. And it's only when he breaks the bread, which is the last thing that he did with them in the Last Supper, that they finally recognize that it's Jesus. And at the end of the story, there's this great line. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while we were talking on the road, while he was opening the scriptures? Were not our hearts burning within us? 
Sometimes the presence of God feels like that. Sometimes it is only in retrospect that we truly see how God was with us through our most difficult times, times of disappointment and doubt, fear, exhaustion, and grief. Um, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, uh, once said that you can't connect the dots of your life looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, he said, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever we might say, faith and God. But so it can be with our faith. Sometimes when we look back on our life, we realize that God was there the whole time working in ways we could not see or understand in that moment, that God was working to bring us new life when all we could see was death, joy when all we felt was sadness. When we look back, we can see how the dots connect and so that we can have faith that the dots will connect for us again in the future. It can be really hard to recognize Jesus in real time, and it might be hard to recognize God right now. Um, and it's usually with some distance that we recognize. And then later we ask, weren't our hearts burning within us the whole time? And so I want to offer three suggestions that you might try today or this week um, based on our story to be aware of God's presence with you in the midst of this time. And first, you might think of a time um, looking that in your, a looking, think of a time in your life that looking back, you didn't recognize God at the moment, but later when you looked back, you could see the grace and mercies and love that was there for you? Was there a time in your life that you felt God was absent, but looking back, you realized that God was there, that grace and mercy actually were abounding for you. You just couldn't see it at the time. In my ministry, I walk with people through the most difficult of times. And even in the midst of profound suffering and death, life still endures and grace and mercy still abound. And so I invite you to look back this week and see what are those moments that you can look back on and see how God was with you, even when it didn't feel like it. Second, Jesus appears to the disciples in a familiar act, the breaking of the bread. And so I wonder what are those moments for you where along the way in your faith journey, you have felt close to God. And if you haven't already, you might think about going back to those things. Return to the trustworthy places, practices where you have met God before. And maybe it's a book or a quote or a spiritual practice that was meaningful for you at a time. Maybe you want to dust those things off and revisit them and draw on that experience and the presence and trustworthiness of God. And third, you might ask, where is my heart burning even now, even though I can't explain why? So maybe right now you can't put your finger on it or name it. Maybe it's just a feeling like the disciples had when their hearts were burning within them. But pay attention to that feeling and see where it leads you. I think these will help us to trust God's presence and goodness, even when we can't feel it or see it. Um, as Bishop Michael Curry of the Episcopal Church recently said in his Easter Sunday sermon, it was Easter, but it didn't look like Easter. It didn't smell like Easter. It didn't feel like Easter. 
but it was Easter anyway. It was Easter anyway. And even if we can't see it and feel it and touch it and taste it in the same way right now, it is still Easter anyway. Um, and finally, I want to share a story with you from my own Easter afternoon, Easter afternoon 2020. Um, so just like everything else has moved online, our, uh, Passover, our Passover experience this year as a family uh, moved online as well. So normally Jenny and the kids would go up to Toronto to her aunt's house. They'd have Passover together. Um, and uh, that wasn't possible, of course, this year. So Easter afternoon after we had services here, we had a call at our house with um, the Jewish side of our family from Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Jersey, and here in Philly. And uh, you know, after 20 minutes of a bunch of old Jews asking, can you hear me? Can you see me? Let me see the baby. We started going into our Passover uh, Haggadah, which uh, in Passover retells the story of the Exodus and how the Jews were liberated from slavery in Egypt uh, and escaped through the Red Sea. And um, the, the whole ritual, and it's probably, you know, it's not my own tradition, but maybe perhaps the most moving ritual that I take part in. Um, and I was only able to take part because it was online. But it's a story about survival. It's a story about endurance and perseverance. And um, there, there we were calling in on this call from all these different places. And I was thinking about the story of Passover and the story of survival. And I was looking at my kids around the table, who were the descendants of people who survived countless atrocities, um, more than I could imagine. I was looking at my kids and uh, my uh, brother-in-law's, you know, my nephew, my little nephew, who's you know two years old. Um, and I was looking around this family of the remnant of people who just survived, and it just reminded me of the goodness of people and that we are able to endure more than we think we can. And that this story of the Exodus, the story of the resurrection, the story of the road to Emmaus is just as present to us now as they were when they were written and told from the very beginning. Um, so in my Easter afternoon, I had one of those, isn't my heart burning? Isn't this showing me something about how we make our way through this time and the things that truly endure. So um, I pray for you in this time that you will be able to go back and lean on those moments that you, you experienced God's presence, maybe even only in retrospect, that you go back to those trustworthy things or those relationships that ground you and give you hope. Um, and that you know that that feeling within you, even though you might not be able to name it, is God with you now. Um, so I'm just going to uh, open it up to um, Pastor G and, and Lindsay. Um, this week is one of the ways we talked about thinking about the Emmaus moments are thinking about, you know, what are the silver linings? Um, and sometimes those are the ways that we start to recognize how God is at work, uh, the silver linings for us uh, in the midst of this time. Um, I can start, I think, um, as I thought about silver linings and resurrection in our lives right now, the way Easter is showing up in the midst of this 
um, this week, two things really stood out to me. And the first um, is that I've been spending more time with my family digitally than I typically do. I think a huge silver lining of having so much time freed up is that as I add things back into my life digitally, I get to be really careful about what they are um, with fewer maybe in-person obligations. I get to really think about like, what Zoom call is it that I want on this Tuesday night? Um, who are those people or what are the activities that I really want to cling to um, and that God has placed in my life as opposed to me sort of filling my time or going to things out of obligation. Um, and a second silver lining that I was certainly not expecting um, is that I have been reading more than is required of me for this semester, um, which is not something I've done in grad school up to this point. And um, I was reading this book, Nobody Cries When We Die by Patrick Reyes. Um, and I had to read like four chapters for school and I was able to read like most of the book this week. And the whole book is about this, this call to survival and like this, um, this call that we all have to inject life into our communities. And the way that Patrick Reyes does it is um, just by listening and sitting with his people and caring about the community that he's come from. And so I think a silver lining for me today was sort of that refocusing um, through just like extra time to read, this refocusing on like where, where Jesus is showing up in our communi communities and thinking about my life more deeply, thinking about where I can inject life into my community, even though it is digital and it feels different um, and getting to really pick, I guess it's connected to the first silver lining, right? Like picking which part of my community I'm investing my life in and where like Jesus is calling me to spend more time. Um, so that has been a silver lining for me. How about you, Pastor G? So Keith, when you were um, preaching, I was realizing that one of my favorite parts of this text is when Jesus comes to the guys on the road to Emmaus and they say, are you really the only one who doesn't know this story? And there's such humor in that. Um, but when you were talking about these disappointments, that's kind of, I think, sometimes how we feel. Is Jesus the only one who doesn't know what I'm going through? And, and where is Jesus in the midst of this? Um, and so then when you work further into the text and it talks about the heart, the word burning in them, the, their hearts burning, what um, one of our pastors at our last, uh, or at one of our clergy gatherings called Holy Heartburn. I love that, uh, that image of Holy Heartburn. But it also, for me, goes back to John's concept of abiding and dwelling, that what God does is comes and makes God's home with us. Um, and what a wonderful image for this time when, when we're in our homes so much more. So, um, so all of those images kind of fold onto each other for me during this time. And if, 
if then the the silver lining becomes the ways in which um, in this time that's so different and that feels so different, the holy heartburn is that that God has made a home with us, you know, and um, and so what does that look like? So I said in my comments to Artman and to the Hearth this week that I've been talking to some of our residents about what hope means and where they find hope, and that they talked about finding hope in the place where they were, and what it became was that the hope was in the place where they felt secure, um, where they felt that they were cared for. Um, so then that that holy heartburn, that abiding, that um, comfort, that hope is in the fact that, that God is in the midst of all of this. Um, for me, in an odd way, the part of that silver lining is that I get to go to work. Um, I, I'm really grateful that I have a job where I actually have to go out of my house because I live alone. And so, um, and so that, that going out is, has been a silver lining for me. Um, but the other silver lining I think has been um, you talked about refocusing, Lindsay, and I think it's very much a refocusing. Um, I, I have to stay in my own space. And, and so now I am beginning to feel security and comfort and hope in that space rather than, you know, sometimes when we get that place of discomfort, we go to the mall or we go to a movie or we go out to for coffee. Now in that space of discomfort, we have to we have to stay and feel that holy heartburn and let that holy heartburn be the thing that gives us comfort and hope and that knowing that God truly is making his home with us in in this space where we are. So that's what comes to my mind this morning. And I'm sure as I reflect on it later, all kinds of other things will come. And so I hope that all of you will share, will share as well, because we like hearing from you too. Great. Thank you both so much.